0: Good morning. morning. We're starting a brand new series called Unlikely Christmas. And there's a a lot about the Christmas season that was unlikely. I don't know if you ever thought about that before, but um, the the whole baby's going to be born in a thousand years, 324 prophecies about this baby being born, highly unlikely. Um, The shepherds sitting there watching their sheep and a bunch of angels come to sing to them. That's weird. Um, and unlikely for that to happen again. Good luck if you go out and sit on the hill and wait for the, sh- the angels to come sing to you. Probably not going to. Uh, the wise men, some big star comes and leads them to baby Jesus. Yeah, that's unlikely. Uh, a, a, a baby being born who's going to be the savior of the world in a barn. <laughs> Stinky animals. Unlikely. A, a bunch about the Christmas story is unlikely. Like, like not just coincidence, wouldn't just happen. <clears throat> but the premise of the series would, would, would be this. Could it be that God uses the most unlikely circumstances to bring about the most wonderful outcomes? Could it be that God chooses to use the most unlikely circumstances to bring about the most wonderful outcomes? outcomes. So in this series, we're going to look at certain individuals from the Christmas story and specifically look at how their role in this God thing was unlikely. My name is Brett and I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater. It's great to have you here today. We're going to be in Luke 1 if you have your Bibles and want to turn there ahead of time. But today we're going to look at Mary's role, Mary the mother of Jesus, her role in the Christmas story. And we're going to look at some Fairly unlikely events in in uh, the life of Mary. I, I like this study here on Mary this week because we don't know a lot about her, and that kind of makes her fascinating. Kind of like, huh? I wonder. Uh, but what we do know about her is really important. So we don't know how tall she was. Don't know what color hair she had. Don't know what color she was. Don't know how many languages she spoke. We don't know about her upbringing. Were her mom and dad nice? Were they mean? Were they tall? Were they short? We don't know how old she was. We have a guess, but we don't really know. We don't even know whether she rode a donkey. That'll mess up your little nativity set, won't it? (laughs) We don't know. We we just don't know. Now, we've got some ideas, but but there's a lot more that we don't know about Mary than there is what we do know. But I think the the information that God gives us in his word about Mary is really, really important. And so today I want to look, take a few minutes to look at Mary specifically and her unlikely life circumstances and see what God would want to teach us through her life in Luke 1. So we're going to jump right into Luke chapter 1 beginning with verse 26. It says in the the sixth month of Elizabeth's Pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So, we're going to start with this premise: Mary had a lot of unlikely life events in her life. Mary, Mary had a lot of unlikely life events. The first couple are right here. (laughs) One of them is that an angel Gabriel came. To her that's weird but but he came okay I don 't know if you've had an angel come to you recently but um, seems like it happens less frequently than than one would think if one thinks angels should come to people anyway an angel came to her that's that's an unlikely life circumstance but but there's a little phrase here at the end of this verse that Joseph this man that she was engaged to is a descendant of King David so we learn about Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, the first book of the New Testament. And in Matthew 1, we read a genealogy, this, this whole long list of everybody from King David all the way down to through the kings. And Joseph, the adopted father of Jesus, was a descendant, a direct descendant of all of these kings, King David and King Solomon, all the way down through this lineage, which is fascinating. What's even more fascinating though is in Luke chapter three, we learn that Mary also was a descendant of King David and Solomon. Now, it doesn't mean they're brothers and sisters, I'll put it in context. David and Solomon were about a thousand years before Mary and Joseph. So a lot happened in between there. Um, but both of them came through David and his son Solomon. Mary came from the lineage of Solomon's fourth son, Nathan. Now, also put it in context, Solomon probably had a couple hundred sons. And he probably had thousands and thousands of grandkids. So so that doesn't mean that they were kindred spirits or knew each other. But it is very interesting, unlikely, that you've got Mary and Joseph both from a kingly Line that we're told. Let, let's keep reading. Uh, Gabriel, verse 28, appeared to Mary and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Well, that's unlikely. <laughs> Once again, unlikely that an angel shows up and then an angel talks. Also unlikely. I guess if you saw an angel, you could say, I saw an angel. Wow, sweet. But if you have to say, I saw an angel and he talked to me. You know, it's a little weird, all right? Kind of want to know, what did he look like? What did he say to you? Yeah. Interesting, unlikely. But, but not only does the angel talk to her, but he says, you are favored. You are a favored woman. And what we're going to learn in the next few verses, the reason for this favor is directly hitched to Mary's response to all the information that, that Gabriel is going to tell her. It is not, this favor is not based on who she is. It's not based on who she knows. It's based on the fact that she is a woman of faith and we will see that. You see, Mary, not only did she have an unlikely upbringing and, and life events, but she definitely had an unlikely response to God's plan. One that I don't think I would have. I, I, I think I would have a different response. We'll get into that. But let's keep reading. Verse uh, 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Okay, I would also be confused. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay, I can just picture Mary. She sees the angel. Somehow I look up. I don't know why I look up. Maybe I assume angels are flying around. I don't know. But but maybe he walked in the room. I don't know. But she sees Gabriel and... I love it how angels in the Bible, if you ever notice this, they always start with the same phrase, do not fear, which I'm glad they say that because that would be my first response. Some possibly winged creature just entered my house and now he's talking to me. I am fearful. says, do not fear. I can't imagine the news, confused. Disturbed, afraid. Those are all emotions I think I could get to in this, in this story. I, can you imagine a teenage girl alone? An angel shows up. You're engaged to this hunk of a man named Joseph, the carpenter's son. You're excited about that. It's coming. I'm going to get married. And you're being talked to by an angel. And the angel's telling you that you've found favor with the creator of the universe. What? Unlikely. What would my response be? And I don't even think this is good news. I I was thinking about this this week. I I think all the news that Gabriel just gave her would kind of mess up her life. The news is life-complicating news. It isn't, hey, you won the lottery, congratulations. Here's a million dollars. Wow, you made my life so much better. No, the news that, that the angel gives her is, is at least life-complicating. It's certainly life-altering news. I, I definitely like her response. Because I think it's a normal human response. Disturbed, confused, fearful. And I like how God gives us a little window there, a little picture of her humanity. She didn't know what was going to happen in an hour, in a week, in a year. It's not like she was supernatural. She's a person just like us. And she got news unlike anything we've gotten. (laughs) And so those natural emotions, I think, are normal emotions. I also like it because these verses show me, tell me, that, that it is possible to be confused and to be disturbed and to be fearful and still have God with you. It says, the Lord is with you. Do not fear. Oh, I don't know though, but I have these, I have these confused, I, I don't understand. Oh, no, no. No, God, God can hang out with you during those times. He hung out with Mary during those times. It also tells us that we can be confused and disturbed and afraid and still find favor with God. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for willing people. And Mary was a willing person. In uh, verse 34, we're going to see Mary responds to Gabriel but her response is a little different than my response would have been. Here's, here's what she says, verse 34. Mary asked the angel Gabriel, but how can this happen? I, I'm a virgin. So, so Mary goes right to the practical. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not possible. <laughs> I don't think she's doubting god i th- I think she's just wanting some details, and I, I don't I don't know that that's terrible but but there's a lot of people in the Bible who who ask God more tell me more help me i i don't I, you've given me a sliver and it makes me very very nervous, disturbed, confused, afraid. can you give me more but but not more details really really just I want to know how's this going to happen and I think Mary wanted what God wanted, even in her confusion, even in her fear, even in her disturbed state. She wasn't saying, I'm out. Gideon, in the Bible, says, I'm out. And Judges, he's like, nope, that's not me. Don't want it. And God's like, Moses, in the Bible, says, nope, I'm out. Yeah, I know you made my staff into a snake, but... I don't talk real goody-welly, nope. And it says God got angry with him. It says, come on, I want, all right, fine, we'll get Aaron too. Well, Mary didn't do any of that. I think the reality is she realized what God wanted was impossible. So, So you're telling me that I'm going to have a baby, I am a virgin, that's impossible. Not not like one in a thousand, one in a million. No, higher, one in a billion. Higher, impossible. Yeah, I, I sometimes feel like God is asking me occasionally to do things that feel impossible. Have you ever felt that way? Like like this, like this one. Um, I want you to forgive everyone, even them. God, do you realize what they did to me? I'm not going to forgive everybody else but but not them. And God says, "I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. You don't know my neighbor <sighs> I don't even like my neighbor one I'm not going to say who one of my neighbors and i don't think I don't think they're here today um no, no don't worry you, don't know them. I, I don't, I, I. and God says, I want you to love your neighbor. That's impossible. I literally stopped to say hi to my neighbor opening day of rifle season. He was sitting in his truck hunting, I thought. And my wife and I stopped to say hello. And he informed us that he wasn't there hunting deer. He was looking for other hunters to shoot. Honest. He said, I just hope somebody comes to hunt on my land. I'm going to drop them. I've got unlimited tags. And I'm supposed to love him? (laughs) That's impossible. Sometimes I think what God asks of us feels impossible. You don't understand the pull of that sin in my life that addiction in my life, and you want me to give that up? I wonder how impossible this felt to Mary. I think God loves it when we get into humanly impossible situations because I think that's the dish that God cooks up. God loves operating in impossible situations, doesn't he? And when we're right there on the edge of impossible, and over the edge of impossible, that's when God can show up and say, yeah, you're right, humanly, impossible. With God, all things are possible. I think Mary's right there. And the angel, verse 35, the angel replied to Mary's very practical question, how can this be, I'm a virgin? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. The angel says, "It's going to be an act of God. You're You're just going to be pregnant." It's God's the creator of the universe. He's the creator of life. Couldn't he do that? Yep, yep, he could. Apparently, he's going to choose to do that. Not a sensual thing, but, but a, a miracle by a very holy, very loving God that will radically change the trajectory of this young girl's life. Uh, the angel goes on, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. The angel says to Mary, Hey Mary, don't worry, you're not alone. You're not alone. The God of the universe, he's doing impossible things all over the place. You're just the next one in a long line of impossibilities that God's going to show up and use you. Are you in? Are you willing? Gabriel's kind of saying to her, I, I think it's very interesting and, and a little disconcerting that, that Gabriel doesn't give her more information. If I'm Mary, I'm thinking, okay, wait, I said I was a virgin. You just answered that question that, that God's going to do something supernatural that I'm going to conceive and have a, have a baby. But could you give me a little more, like, how's Joseph going to take this? <laughs> could you read me in on that? You know, I would have liked it if Gabriel had said, yeah, we're going to work that out with the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about that part. But also, just so you know, Joseph's going to be cool with it. Yeah. I, he doesn't. He leaves her hanging. Mary, don't worry. Yeah, you, I know your father and mother, they're going to be fine with it. We, in fact, in fact, one of the other angels has already gone to them, having a conversation right now. Don't worry. They'll, they'll, they'll be fine with it. No. None of that. We don't even know whether her father and mother believed her. We're never told. We're told very, very little. And Mary was told very, very little. I think... I think the Holy Spirit, I, th- I think uh, Gabriel actually told Mary what Elizabeth was going through so that Elizabeth wouldn't feel alone. So she would feel like, okay, I have someone to share this with. In fact, we're told at the end of, of Luke 1 that Mary runs to see Elizabeth and they hang out and have a little girl time. I'm encouraged by that because I I think that's a great reminder that God does not want us to go through our impossible times alone either. God did not design us to go through our impossible times alone. And some of you have circumstances in your life that are out of your control, that are impossible, and, and you know that if I choose to obey God, things are only going to get more complicated. And you've got a choice obey God do what people say I should do. And and Mary's there and God says, oh no, no, Elizabeth's going through the same thing. We have that at Bridgewater. They're called small groups. A chance for you to share and do life together with other people who also love God. If you are not a part of a group like that, you're missing out. Um, if If you were to stop in the lobby at the Next Steps table, they could give you a list of some small groups that you could attend. Um, I know for, for me personally, for my wife and I, our small group offers that. It, it gives us a place to be with other people who love God and can help us carry our burdens when God calls us to do something impossible. Or not impossible, but just really hard. <laughs> um, If if you are a part of an amazing small group, I would challenge you to love the people around you enough to invite them to come with you to that group. Because that would be the loving thing to do. And God does not want us to be alone. He wants us to be in community. The body of Christ is all about that. Loving each other in community and support. Well, Mary certainly had some unlikely life events and she had an unlikely, unlikely response to God and we're going to see that right here in verse 38. So Mary's response is nothing like mine. All right, I'll just say that right off the bat. I, 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 yeah, we can learn something from Mary's response. Here's what she said. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left. What? I am the Lord's servant. Basically, she says, "Okay, okay." But you realize, right? You're going to be pregnant, and and people are going to make fun of you, and you'll probably be ostracized from the community because a teenage girl who's engaged and then gets pregnant—they're all going to think it's Joseph. I'm just all right. I, I'm the Lord's servant. Your mom and dad—you know—they're going to get the news that their teenage daughter is pregnant. You're going to start showing, and you're going to have this story to tell them about an angel that showed up at your house and told you you were going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Good luck with that. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. That is incredible trust in God. I wish I trusted God like that. Don't worry, Brett. That neighbor's not going to shoot you. Um, invite him over; it'll be great. You'll have a wonderful time. And by the way, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save him. I, I, I don't. That's not my default. My default tends to be, I don't know, God. This one seems a little. This is not. all right. What if I just wave to him every time I go by? Will that count? Um, what if I leave a turkey at his house, in his mailbox? I, yeah, I, I don't. I have trouble going all in. No, oh, no, no. But, but. God says, you, you are highly favored, Mary, and I'm going to do something through you that's going to change the rest of the world for eternity. She says, I, I'm the Lord's servant, but it's going to really mess up your life. Could have, she may have been standing at the foot of the cross when Jesus was dying on the cross, hanging on the cross, and people may have still been scoffing at her and making fun of her. It may have been she lived with this reputation forever for her life. She says, I I realize that. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Mary genuinely wanted what God wanted. How do we do on that? If, If the choice is I can obey what God said in Scripture or I can do this that's easier. I know what God says in Scripture, I know, but, but my counselor's telling me this. I, I, know, I know what God says, but, but my friends, all my friends, are doing this. Trusting God during a difficult season of life is hard, and trusting means obeying. Obeying God oftentimes means laying aside what I want to do or what other people around me are pressuring me to do because I know it's not what God wants. It means doing what the Bible says even when nobody else is doing it. It, it means fighting not to get a divorce even though all of your friends and your counselors say it's, nah, it's the best thing to do. It's living a generous life Even when times are tight. Because it's the right thing to do. It's what God says to do. It's working hard at your job and honoring your boss, even though he's a jerk. Because I'm not working for him. I'm working for God. Yeah, but you don't understand. My boss, like, it's impossible. Yeah, it was pretty impossible for Mary, too. means wanting what God wants when it seems that if I do what God wants, things will become harder, not easier. I think living in obedience, acting with prayer, prayer often brings clarity and action. I, I think the practical outflowing of these tensions in my life when, when I feel God asking me to do something or, or I'm in a situation where I just feel so trapped and, and I don't know what to do and I have disturbed feelings and confused feelings and angry, or anxious feelings, and I do feel like prayer is the mechanism, the practice that I need to insert into my life to help me through those times. It needs to be the default. When we say to God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I know I can talk to you. I don't understand these circumstances that I'm in. I I, I want to want what God wants, but I don't know that I can get there humanly. And God would say, you can't, but I can help you. I want to respond like Mary did. I want to trust God. Prayer is the the vehicle that gets us there. There's a story on prayer that I want to read to you. Um, One of... One of my favorite stories on prayer found in John Ortberg's book, If You Want to Walk on Water You Need to Get Out of the Boat. Um, and it, it's, it's about prayer. Here we go. Um, there was a guy named Doug Cole who was in ministry in Washington, D.C. Um, and he met this guy named Bob. Bob became a Christian and began to meet with Doug to learn about his new faith. Bob was not connected in government circles at all. One day, Bob came in all excited about a statement in the Bible that, where Jesus said, ask whatever you will in my name and you will receive it. Is that true, Bob demanded? Doug explained, well, it's not a blank check. You have to take it in context with the teaching of the whole scriptures on prayer. But yes, it is really true. Jesus really does answer prayer. Great, Bob said. Then I'm going to start praying for something really, really big. I think I'll pray for Africa. That's kind of a broad target. Why don't you narrow it down to one country, Doug advised. All right, I'll pray for Kenya. Do you know anyone in Kenya? Doug asked. No. Ever been to Kenya? No. Bob just wanted to pray for Kenya. So Doug made an unusual arrangement. He challenged Bob to pray every day for six months for Kenya. If Bob would do that and nothing extraordinary happened, Doug would pay him $500. But if something miraculous did happen, Bob would pay Doug $500. And if Bob forgot to pray or didn't pray every day, then the whole deal was off. It was a pretty unusual prayer program, but then Doug was a very creative man. Bob began to pray, and for a long time, nothing happened. Then one night, he was at a dinner in Washington, and the people around his table were explaining what they did for a living. One woman said that she helped run an orphanage in Kenya, the largest orphanage of its kind. Bob saw $500 suddenly sprout wings and begin to fly out of his wallet. But he could not keep quiet. Bob roared to life, and he had not been saying much at this point, and he began pounding her relentlessly with question after question. You're obviously very interested in my country, the woman said to Bob, overwhelmed by the sudden barrage of questions. You've been to Kenya before? No. You know someone in Kenya? No. Then how did you happen to be so curious? Well, someone is kind of paying me $500 to pray for Kenya. She asked Bob if he would like to come to visit Kenya and tour her orphanage. Bob was so eager he would have gone that very night if he could have. When Bob arrived in Kenya, he was appalled by the poverty and the lack of basic health care. Upon returning to Washington, he couldn't get the place out of his mind. He began to write to large pharmaceutical companies describing to them the vast needs he had seen in Kenya. He reminded them that every year they would throw away large amounts of medical supplies that, that went unsold. Why not send them to a place like Kenya, he asked. Some of them did. This orphanage received more than a million dollars worth of medical supplies. The woman called Bob and said, Bob, this is amazing. We had the most phenomenal gifts because of the letters you sent. We would like to fly you over here again and have a big party. Will you come? So Bob flew back to Kenya. While he was there, the president of Kenya came to the celebration. Because it was the largest orphanage in the country. And he offered to take Bob on a tour of Norabi, the capital, Nairobi, the capital city. In the course of their tour, they saw a prison. Bob asked about a group of prisoners there. They're political prisoners, he was told. That's a bad idea, Bob said. You should let them go. Bob finished his tour, flew back home. Sometime later, Bob received a phone call from the State Department of the United States government. Is this Bob? Yes. Were you recently in Kenya? Yes. Did you make any statements to the president of Kenya about political prisoners? Yes. What did you say? I told him he should let them go. (laughs) The State Department official explained that the department had been working for years to get the release of these political prisoners to no avail. Uh, Normal diplomatic channels and political maneuvering had led to a dead end, but now the prisoners had been released and the State Department was told that it was largely because of a man named Bob. (laughs) So the U.S. government was calling Bob to say thank you. Several months later, the president of Kenya made a phone call to Bob. The president was going to rearrange his government and select a new cabinet. Would Bob be willing to fly over and pray for him for three days while he worked on this important task? Bob, who was not politically connected at all, boarded a plane once more and flew back to Kenya where he prayed and asked God to give wisdom for the leader of that nation as he selected his government. I wonder what God would do through you and I if we took prayer as serious as Bob and if when we got to those impossible situations if we just became men and women of prayer and said, you know what? It is out of my hands. I cannot do the impossible, but I know a God who can. And I'm not going to fret and fear. I'm not going to ask a bunch of questions about how Joseph's going to take this or how my parents are going to take this or what's going to happen in 33 years. I'm just going to say, I believe you, God. I want what you want. I'm going to do what is right. And the rest of it, you'll have to take care of. Yeah, but your reputation's gonna be rocked if you do what God says. I know. Yeah, but you know, people who follow God like that, they're called radicals. They're scary. I know. But I believe the Bible is true. And I know that God won't call me to do something that he won't help me accomplish. And God's given us prayer. What are you praying for? You praying for Kenya? Kenya? Praying for Halstead? Praying for Susquehanna Depot? Praying for Christmas Eve services? God wants to do the impossible. And I don't understand it, but for some reason, he calls on you and I to be a part of that. Let's not miss out on an opportunity God might want us to do. Let's be like Mary. Let's realize that we could live in obedience or in acting in prayer, oftentimes clarity and action come from that. Where Mary says, you know what? God, I'm your servant. And I hope that every word that you tell me comes true. Wow. That's a a trust and dependence on God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for choosing to use people like us. We don't necessarily understand it. We certainly don't deserve it. And yet you choose to do something amazing in our world and you choose to use people like Mary people like us God I pray that we would be willing but then I also ask that you'd help us help us not to doubt you but also help us to remember that that you've given us prayer you don't want us to do this alone and you will give us everything we need as we go through the process we love you thank you for loving us God, I do pray that you would do something exceeding abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine here in Halstead campus, that that you would uh, do something over the Christmas season that radically shakes and impacts for the positive, the Halstead community. In Jesus' name, amen.